E.T. Got some big news, fam. Well, it's point four Friday. We got 24 hours till I step on the court, man. Yeah. It's a go. You know, officially announced it on point four. Um, hope the fan base is uh, excited. Hope I, uh, I'm a little nervous, but actually I'm also excited. Um, you know, I try to play cool and calm and collected all the time, but excited to get there on the court. It's finally happened. Uh, a lot of folks been asking. Um, patience is a virtue. And now we're here. This is Andre Iguodala. This is Evan Turner. We're trying to get to the true essence of not just basketball, but life. And that means something, something, something. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. That level of understanding has been taken out of the game. Out of the game. What's up, what's up? Welcome to the 11th episode of Season 2.4 Podcast. Very first one in 2023. Um, it's kind of wild saying 2023. Yeah, it's crazy. But any year that uh, starts with the GOATS number, MJ, number 23, that's for anybody that... Uh, was born after year 1995. We're talking about Michael Jordan. Because they don't be having the proper reverence of life. But I don't know. Or uh, you could just say you could just say anything. Anybody's a goat now. You know what I'm saying? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right now I'm Luca. Shoot. And then their fan bases attack you when you correct them. <laughs> yeah, basically. So we got to make sure we give, you know, give the right people flowers and you know, continue to keep uh, you know, keep keep spreading spreading the name. But I'm excited to kick off the new year uh, with a, a great guest on the second half of our episode. And as a guy who's been filling in for one of the GOATs, Steph Curry, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ty, Ty Jerome. So really excited to, you know, for folks to hear about his journey, what he's gone through. Yeah, me too. I'm excited to give that man his flowers. He's been balling for a minute. Um, you know, I was a big fan of him back in Virginia. And he's doing his thing right now. And uh, he's even made time to, you know, show up and join us on Point Four. But uh, before we go too deep into our episode, I wanted to remind everyone to follow Point Forward on YouTube, TikTok, IG, and all the social platforms. And to check out our newsletter on Substack at pointforward.substack.com. And this week, we'll be dropping some book recommendations on that newsletter. Uh, excited for y'all to see that. I got a lot of books that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll make sure you all be able to review and get a heads up on in the future. Let's get back to the topic at hand. It's a new year, same fire content. Yeah, but before we do that, we got to send um, some healing energy, prayer and vibes to Damar Hamlin, mm -hmm. who suffered a terrifying you know, heart injury in front of 20 million people and his mom on, uh, on Monday Night Football. So once again, we're thinking about Damar Hamlin, um, prayers and uh, you know, much love to a speedy recovery and you know, getting back on your feet. Yes, sir. Point forward. On last week's episode, this last one of 2022, we made some bold predictions on sports and tech, uh, which was a lot of fun. Check it out if you missed it, wherever you're listening to your podcast. In the fourth quarter of that episode, Andre and I both shared some things we're looking forward to this coming year. The podcast, of course, but really peace, prosperity, and all that good stuff, and metaphysical shit. With that being said, uh, we should take a minute and talk about New Year's resolutions as our first topic today. So, Dre, there's something that I, I realized there's a stat right now. Uh, 
There are over 88 million search results for New Year's resolutions. You know, most of them are probably, you know, sound ideas that aren't being followed through. Correct. So what resolution do you think that you have right now on your list that, you know, you for sure want to follow through for the new year? I'm not a New Year's resolution guy. No? I'm I'm always telling people and, you know, maybe it's the cynicism in me. Of course. I don't understand the whole point of a New Year's resolution. If you want to change something, how about just start today? Like, yeah. why wait to January 1st? So it don't matter what it is. Like, I, I have this thing where I want to read more books. Um, my schedule won't allow it. But, you know, going forward with my planning, I'm trying to make way to figure out a way that I can listen to books more or yeah. read books more. So it's not, yeah. I'm not waiting till January 1st. It could be, it could be June 3rd and yeah. I say, all right, I need to lock in on this. I need to meditate yeah. more. I'm going to yeah. just do it that day. I was to start planning on it that day. I, and, and I think we fall into this and let me not be too cynical, but we fall into these uh, social norms. I don't know who came up with them. Yeah. And it just, it just keeps us in this, it was, we become like robots, you know, we become like trained thinkers. Yeah, like we think, conform. Yeah, yeah. Conform. Yeah. Like, like think this way in December, think this way in the spring, think this way in the summer, think this way in November, yeah. uh, new year's, uh, all right, new year's resolution. So you got to buy something to keep yeah. you locked in on a new year's resolution. So I don't know. It just throws me off. No, I feel you. I, I, I feel like I started my, to, to add to that. I started my new year's resolution early. So I started back in November, like weightlifting, getting my body right, trying to continue to meditate, trying to continue like to read and slowly like I kept my mind at the focal point of like the New Year's resolution. But I'm like, bro, I got to somewhat stretch or prepare before I go into this thing. You know what I'm saying? I, I only like I only like the the idea of it because I guess it's the start of a new year, really. And you can obviously you know focus your time and see where you'll be at you know in you know by the next year which is 2024 so i actually did have a a resolution did i do it? it was it was new years but it was years ago and i still I, i've been following it to this day and so it's, i no longer say happy new year so when some people have been texting me on december 31st and uh, you know closer to midnight or january 1st that morning everyone's saying happy new year some people saying happy new years, which is uh, grammatically incorrect. I, I respond saying happy new day. And so I got that from Luke Walton. And oh, Luke, wow. And Luke Walton will always say, you know, you can have a happy new year once a year. And, you know, it's like a new year's resolution and it slowly fades away. And that excitement you had with your goals and everything you're trying to, you know, get through, yeah. through a year, like new year, new me. And by the time you get to February, it's back to the same you. Old yeah, you. that's real. And he was saying, you know, happy new day. Every day is a new day, a new opportunity to continue to fulfill whatever, you know, your destiny uh, may be or to, you know, work on your goals, you know, and, you know, yeah. getting 1% better each and every day. That's 365% better by the end of the year. And, you know, you have some setbacks, but uh, I always say happy new day to anybody. That's every day, too. So, like, yeah. Merry, somebody say Merry Christmas. I'd be like, happy new day. Happy Fourth of July. Happy new day. And it's just I think it's just takes your mind to a different place. Yeah, for sure. But that's, uh, you know, that's one of those things where you learn. We say sports teaches you so much about life because you're stuck in the next play mentality. True. And at the same time, you know, in a profession that you're competing in, you really have to be assertive and go get it. So it's counterproductive, which makes you a one percenter. 
on what the natural ways are around the world. Some people would be like, hey, take your time. Let's warm up and let's go do this. It's like, no, we're diving head first, almost in the sense of like, you got to get your nose into it. So, uh, you know, we're athletes and we're creature of routine. Mm -hmm. So sometimes uh, that's a gift and a curse because you're obviously played by it because you're, you like to reach goals or reach, you keep evolving and evolving and evolving. So sometimes a New Year's Eve resolution isn't going to, True. Do nothing for you because you're already self-motivated. It's like what Floyd Mayweather said. I don't need the box. Like I'm a bank robber. I'm self-motivated. I'll rob the bank. I don't even need y'all to cheer for me. True story. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't story. need nobody around. I'll be in the gym yeah. by myself. Like yeah. that's it. A couple New Year's. So two times, two different times. And I want to know, have you had any New Year's resolutions that you followed through it on? Um, there was uh, the Bible app and you can read the Bible in a year. Yeah, that's what I've been trying to do. Yeah, I did. I did it. I've done that twice. Really? It, it, it really it's really helpful, um, but it's tough because you read the Old Testament. You read the Old Testament like it's so long. And what is it? Numbers and even a book of Genesis and yeah, like all the Exodus, all, all yeah. the names. It's yeah, like Genesis. the, the, the yeah. auto lineage is like, listen, man, you read like. Years. Fifty five names before you get to man where are we going with these names like what they yeah. do but you just like nah begat 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 who begat who begat who begat and yeah that's, that's what it is begat <laughs> forsaken and every now and then it's a, yeah and so I mean? yeah yeah so that was probably the toughest part and then you miss a few days and you really yeah. got it you got to make up for it so i always made sure i was caught up to date so if i missed a few days i would like make like an hour two hours of my day to, to get caught up, up to catch yeah. up and then uh those hard, those hard uh, early on chapters, like in the Old Testament, um, I would do the audio part. And then when okay. it got like to some knowledge, like you talk about Proverbs or Psalms or you get to the Old Testament, then I would read those actual parts. And then I did the whole Bible study. So I've done that twice, which was super dope. OK, no, I, I definitely I, I like that idea. I used to have this chronological Bible I would carry around, but sometimes I would lose it traveling on the road. Mm hmm. One thing I want to do, I've been telling myself, I've been up and down in it. I tried it a few times, but I want to restart the master key system. Uh, it's a book by Charles Hannell. Um, uh. It's kind of like a self, you know, self progression book. It's based on like the universal mind in that sense. I think we talked about it before, but, yeah. you know, each week they're breaking down the subconscious and the conscious mind and the difference of, uh, you know, living with the world within and the world without. So it's half universal mind, half like meditation. But at the end of each chapter, you have to do the exercise like every day for a week. You know, I tried it before, but I want to redo it. Uh, the first week is like just sitting still with your body 20 or 30 minutes meditating. And the next week is like controlling the thoughts that go in and out of your head. Yep. And then from there, you keep building and you even get to a point where you start manifesting and like just creating your own house and going to the point of like the finest, minute details. And yeah. within that situation, you start being able to control, uh, you know, control your mind and what you think and, and, and what you exert into the, the universe. And I, I'm kind of really into that because, uh, you know, me, I can get going. My tongue can get me very, right, very, right. very upset. Right. So, you know, I want to kind of start the day with that. And, uh, you know, just going back and forth, like I said the other day, lack of better words, but just stop going back and forth with these niggas, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, 100%. like that's it. Like, like that's, what, that's, my, that's like for life. Like, I hope I can do like, bro, I'm done going back and forth, like forth with these niggas. There's too many people putting in a two cent and legit. I'm worried about M's. So we not even, you feel me? 
Yes, sir. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Oh, I was saying, I want to do some research on Andrew Andrew Carnegie. So I know Andrew okay. Carnegie, um, he was a big um, fi- financial yeah. uh, investor. What do you call him an investor? He funded a lot of, uh, yeah, he funded a lot of uh, the educational system as we know it. And he kind of shaped it. And I've heard a lot of different narratives coming from that. I know TIAA, uh, the Teachers of America. Uh, I don't know that it's like one of the largest banks, and uh, it's the Teachers uh, Pension Fund. Oh, yeah, and, that, that brings uh, in like what, like five? It's like five billion a year or something. Right? Yeah, and they, they have like one point two trillion assets under management, and it's ran by a black woman, Tashonda Duckett. We, you know, Tashonda. Oh yeah, I just talked to Tashonda the other day. She wished yeah. me uh, sweet, the sweetest lady. Her yeah. husband. She's a sweet lady. Her husband yeah. is a Buckeye. They're yep. a Buckeye yep. family. Yep. And we ran into we ran them when into, we went to the game. Yeah, the irony. We were literally riding scooters in the middle of the Oval. Yeah. And somebody yeah. comes up with kids. I'm like, man, you better be lucky. I, I had an idea. I was going to ride off on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I know Dre wasn't going to stop. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, she runs TIAA, which was started by Andrew Carnegie as well. And uh, big philanthropist. But I'm going to read on him some more. I got to do some, some real homework to see, you know, that word philanthropist gets thrown out a bit much. And so uh, that's what I'm going to do some homework on. Uh, I've been big on history. The same way we read the Red Notice. Remember we read the Red Notice yeah. the book club, the Bill yeah. Browder story? Yeah. Um, which was crazy. It happened in 2009. Uh, the result of it was the Sergei Minsky Act. But they're talking about a international trader who was from America, goes to Russia, starts a business. As like you know, three or four uh, does it for three or four years. He ends up, you know, uh, immigrating to London. When he comes back to Russia, like a year and a half later, um, it turns out he's wanted like on the most wanted list. The oligarchs or whatever happened. Some corruption says that he had a uh, you know did tax fraud or something that owed thirty seven million, and he said he was convicted for it, but he had no clue that he's convicted for it. He uh, because in a small city in Russia, they did a trial. Yeah. Gave him a self-appointed lawyer. The trial lasted like two minutes. The lawyer pleaded guilty, and the dude went in, went through like four or five years worth of nonsense. So crazy. I I kind of want to follow up those stories. You know, learn about the you know what's it the some of the scandals in America. You know right, I mean? right, and right, right, right. Learn the real stuff so you really yeah. know, not like just the spoils of war. You feel right. me? Like when we 100%. were in 1619. Yeah, we learned so much of real history and learned so much of. I mean, the systematic ways of how they, how they stayed up, even just keeping the Native Americans and the Black apart. Correct. How the reservations occurred yeah. and how they were saying, you won't get this if you guys keep teaming up with the Blacks because they were fearing of the rebellion that the Haitians did with the French back in yep. the day. You know yep. I mean? But it's like the crown, though. That's why I really love the crown. The crown is exposing, you know, uh, a monarchy that, well, like, trying to explain what purpose or lack of purpose they serve, which is crazy. And so I'm really, I'm really tapped in. I'm almost caught up. I'm like on late in season four. Point forward. All right. Down for that clown for that. Um, Once again, a segment ET and I, uh, we agree on most things, but not everything. Um, Looks like this first topic was very, very entertaining for us too. Cause we, we, we have a lot of, uh, Mm commentary that uh, we, we we disagree on this particular topic and so the first one being 
Luka Doncic, is he currently the front runner for MVP? ET, down for that or clown for that? I'm uh, I'm, I'm clown, bro. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm clown for that, and I'm a big Luka fan. But what Jason Tatum is doing right now this year is, you know, is, is pretty impressive. You know, he's yep. number one in the league. I think he's locked in. I think the way he scores is so effortless. You know, and I yeah. think uh, that's an understatement. They're winning. They're winning at a top level. And I, I, one thing that occurs that I, I like is. Uh, I, I watch the head-to-head matchups, like ver- versus MVP. So yes, yes. When it comes down to, I think Tatum, there wasn't any Luka magic that night when they played in Boston. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah, I'm looking at the standards I, right now too. Yeah, so I, I think at the end of the day, like what Luka's doing is unbelievable. And in his seven game, was he averaging 40, 12, and like nine over a seven game period? Uh, yeah, he's going crazy. He's going crazy, Something crazy, but. I, I I was I would correlate it with this when um we were talking about Luka Doncic's game and you brought up the correlation of of James Harden, yeah. And I was like, damn, we've seen that before, and sometimes we've seen it, oftentimes, numerous times. And then like with Tatum, you're not going to find him too too many places. You know what I mean? Somebody similar to him could be a Kevin Durant, right? Or like some people say he's as gifted as Kobe offensively. So, like, I I, I kind of I'm, – I'm going for Tatum. All right, here's, here's my question, right, because I'm struggling with this. Um, yeah. Because Boston has a better supporting yeah. cast, would you yeah. would you say that? Boston's number yeah. one. But Boston Boston only has four more wins than – they only have four more wins than Dallas Yeah. Uh, at the moment. And so – I I, I know – yeah, I think the supporting cast, it's hard to, it's like what comes first, the, the rooster or the egg, because Tatum yeah. probably has a better supporting cast, but then at the same time, he's still doing numbers with that supporting cast. Like he's still going to get his 30 with Jalen Brown, who's more assertive. Like That's what I was going to say. You feel me? Like If, what, if, they, Tatum sw- if, average, they, switch, if yeah. they switch roles, would the supporting cast, the Celtic supporting cast, be as effective and be able to do what they do? Because they, it seems like Tatum is getting done what he's getting done, and he's not interfering with the confidence or yeah. the aggression that his other teammates have, whereas opposed to Luka, we said it before, when James was doing that, we said, you know, does he make his teammates better? He dominates the ball. He has too high of a usage rate. You can never win a championship that way. And we're talking about James in terms of not James, sorry. We're talking about uh, JT in terms of like them boys got a chance to try to win another championship. And that's and, and that's what I'm saying. And, and I think uh, and it's, it's a big difference when you switch teams. You know what I'm saying? If, if you were to switch their teams out, you don't know how Luka would, would fare with those guys. I think one thing that helps the Celtics so much is the leadership of Tatum. Yeah. And his personality. And, uh, and his but it's interesting. I'm still pissed that Kobe missed a bunch of MVPs MVPs. because they said this team's standing. And now it almost seems as if standings may not mean as much. That's what what kills me. Yeah, and that's – I mean, think about James Harden. James could have technically had three MVPs if they didn't change everything. They gave one of his MVPs to Russ. It said said, stats don't matter. Yeah. Get get MVP to Russ. You know what I mean? When James won more. The year before, they were like, well, winning matters. And, right. You know what I'm saying? And James yeah. didn't get MVP. And um, that's tough. I feel like we need a. Du- 
I guess it's so rare to do co-MVPs, but. Well, has we ever had one? Because Jokic has been killing too. Like, they number one in the West. You know, um, they got their full squad back. I want it to be like a thing where where it's like an unwritten rule. Like, all right, bro, you get two free years to run off with MVP. And if you don't touch that final or like get over the hump, we're not going to give you five MVPs, bro, because it clearly (laughs) don't fucking matter. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? 100%. And then, like, another thing that needs to really matter for MVP so teams can comprehend, or at least if you're going to let the media vote for it, like, we have a PER. So, like, do expand on that PER and be like, okay, like, I'm not even trying, you know, harp on Jokic, but I remember Dame, some of his best games, like I said prior to, is against the Nuggets. Yeah, 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 yeah. If one of your dudes is a defensive liability, like, show what that matters during this time because. That can't be, is that valuable? And so a player can be so great, but we'll we'll give them a pass on their weaknesses. Yeah. Steve Nash. I didn't want to say that name. I mean, I've said, I'm gonna get in trouble probably, but I've said it numerous times. But like Steve Nash was cold and what he did, what his rep, like what his teammates always said about him. They love playing with him. He got guys paid. Yeah. It's a baller, like undersized, like overcoming everything. But like, if you get 18 and 12 and the other point guard gets that every night. Right. And then all the other top point guards, like dudes like Chauncey Billups and all these other dudes are like, bro, how am I missing out on this shit for the sake of an 18 and 12-er? Like Mike Bibby couldn't even get all-star. Mike Bibby was nice. And not only that, Mike Bibby was a team Jordan. So that's yeah. that's back when, like... Back then, yeah, you had to be You nice. only had eight or nine dudes. So, like, yeah. Mike Bibby can't even get all-star. And you see some of these point guards that can't even... Yeah. And, and they're giving Steve Nash MVP. Yeah. While there's a Kobe and I, I always said Chauncey was better to me. And they call yeah. me crazy. But, you know. I mean... I'm not arguing with you. I'm not arguing with you niggas this year. <laughs> not going back. I'll go a lot of places, but back and forth ain't one of them. Point forward. Our next topic. Photos of the iPhone 15 got leaked. Do you need to upgrade or buy every single new iPhone that comes out? There was an amazing, before you answer, down for that or clown for that in terms of every iPhone coming out. There was an amazing Jay-Z freestyle that he did with Title. And he spoke specifically about that. Like, everybody always has an issue with Jay-Z. They got a beef with Jay-Z right now because Tory Lanez was found guilty for shooting a woman in the foot. They said it was they Jay-Z's said, fault. Yeah, they said the only, they said lady turned around and said, Jay-Z, a bitch-ass nigga. I just want you to write that, right? <laughs> it was right. like, what? Yeah. And, like, so, what? and, and Jay-Z's um, verse is freestyle. Uh, maybe we can find a clip. He spoke about... Um, you know, y'all got beef with everything that I'm doing and moving. You know, I got, you know, do say I got this product. I got that product. But y'all don't say nothing about Steve Jobs when he bring out that iPhone every year. The same phone. You add mm. a little camera or add a uh, you change the uh, size, get more battery life. You get a, a larger um, cloud um, coverage. And we and keep that- buying that year after year after year. And a USB port is optional. <laughs> the box is optional. You don't know. Right. So, but in keeping up with the Joneses, this yeah. is a big part of our culture. You down for that, clown for that, and buying a new iPhones every year? Um, 
I'm clown for that because uh, it's not being so much buying a new iPhone. It's going up there and messing around with them people. Like you can't even get your <laughs> iPhone updated for less than like an hour. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it so takes like, a while. Yeah, so like I'm, I feel I only bought the new iPhone because my phone literally broke like mm-hmm. two days before. So like I couldn't get anything else. But I'm, I'm, I'm clown. It's all the same thing, but it. I will give credit to Apple. They put themselves a part of the culture. I buy Jordans all the goddamn time. Yeah, right. So, yeah. So, and it's the same ones. Oh, retro, retro, retro. Like I, I got four pair of retro twos. Yeah, and then you go watch that same old Spider-Man movie every time, every four years. So, <laughs> and now they got the cartoon version. Yeah, basically. that's a good point. But I, I typically have the new iPhones. I ain't gonna. I'm not going to front and lie. You, get, like you got the past seven for free and like right before they came out. So please say you're down for that. Okay. I'm down for it because. Right, Dre be at the crib. Like I got that new iPhone at the crib. Don't it drop in a month? I ain't but open it yet. Like that type stuff. The last one I did buy. The last one I did buy. Because I threw my phone. I was hot and it was the first time I ever thrown my phone. Um, and I broke it, so I needed a new phone, so I had to get the new one. But now they didn't have enough storage. Yeah, I don't understand why they're doing that. Not enough storage. It's 128 gigs. Why yeah, would you throw your phone? Like that's I don't get when folks do that. That's like when dudes you show up to a dude house and he didn't punch the wall. It's like what happened? I was arguing with my girl. So you so you're not getting that security deposit back at all. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? And your hand broke and you don't have insurance. I get it. I'm agreeing. It was yeah. dumb. But I was, you know, those days when you're rehabbing, man, them rehab days are awful. And yeah. it was one of them bad rehab days. Nobody was in the gym. It was an off day. But I'm in the gym busting my ass. And uh I didn't have a I didn't shoot the way I wanted to in that workout. And then I was frustrated about something else and me being frustrated about something else was the reason why I wasn't making shots. So I couldn't get my yeah. focus right. And it was like so, a lost day. You just wasted three hours of good work. But no, nah, yeah, I had to, the, the crazy part is, is that when you go through that process of getting a new phone, you realize how dumb it was to throw it. Cause, cause then I had to go to the Apple store. I threw the phone so hard, the SIM card fell, flew out. I couldn't find a SIM card. So now I got to update the phone a different way. So now I got to go to the Verizon or AT&T, whatever service I'm with. I got to go to there to activate it. They talking about two hour wait, come home, chill out, go back. That whole process. And then having to uh, log in to everything again was the worst. It's, I still haven't logged into everything. Yeah, because you don't know your, you, you do not know your pa- That's not I reason don't why I, know my password. Yeah, and then, and then the password folks got the nerves to stop. Don't suggest shit to me, okay? <laughs> like at all. Like that's another thing. Like if everybody New Year's resolution, just leave off them suggestions because I got to do like exclamation point at sign numbers. Right. You feel me? Like it's just, it's crazy. Bro. You got it. Yeah. You got to have a special character and then you got to have a number, a capital one. And then I got like eight passwords. I don't know which one. By the time you get there, it's gone. They said locked, locked up the app. Point forward. An interesting issue came up with one of the top performers in the world, Taylor Swift. No, I'm saying Taylor Swift uh, dropped it out. Taylor Swift dropped an album. And obviously after an album drop, what comes next? The tour. Yeah, oh, I remember so that. So yeah. she dropped her uh, tour dates and then the tickets came out. And these tickets are become a, have become a hotter 
resale item than Jordans. And you're seeing these crazy upcharges on tickets. And yeah, it's OD. It's OD. So there was a great uh, article I read on Ticketmaster and how Ticketmaster was formed. And the service charge from Ticketmaster sometimes might be more than an actual ticket. And that's I, been a huge issue. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, you're right. That You're absolutely right. Because I have bought a couple of tickets and stuff and they've been like, oh, bro, like... <laughs> Like, damn, like, so, like, this said two and two for two, and it's turned out to be with taxes or service, whatever, a, a 6K night. Exactly. Yeah. And so they're trying to figure out an uh, issue, uh, how to solve for this. And I know Taylor Swift spoke about it, and they're having a lot of issues with uh, tickets aren't affordable anymore. And and it's really, it's, it's like a form of segregation, because only a certain type yeah. of person can go to these concerts. I mean, them Usher tickets was high as hell. I had a good time. No, nah, but yeah. you was like, I got tickets for you. I'm like, all right, now bring 15 niggas if you want. This is going to be a 200K night. <laughs> it was my yeah. it was, it was, was my Duke's birthday. I don't even know how old she turned. Same age as Michael Jordan. It's sad. Um, but it, it was a good birthday. We had a great time. But, man, looking at that bill, I'm like, yeah. huh? Yeah. Them tickets. I ain't no tickets was that high. They like more than basketball games. Yeah, bro. And... Bro, they getting over on that. They're definitely getting over. And um, it's almost like the, the problem back in the day, like, before they started, like, making mass production of Jordans. Mm -hmm. Remember Nike was like, yo, some of these shoes are, like, Dornbeckers. Some of these shoes are, like, special edition shoes or, like, fundraiser-type shoes. Y'all are complaining if we make making 180, but right now the resellers are getting that on top of that. Yeah. So now when it's coming down to it, don't act like... Yeah. You know what I mean? We could switch something. I don't know how you take it away, yeah. but... You feel me? Yeah, well, I mean... There has to, there has to be I, I, something I just think to really keep it true. What we're finding out is that um, there are the most important folks in that industry of entertainment with ticket sales is, is Ticketmaster, and there's another party that controls... Like, and the venue itself has a relationship with Ticketmaster. And so Ticketmaster pretty much can control the entire ecosystem. Like, yo... Yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't hold a concert unless you go through them. Because Live Nation is in control of the, uh, what venues they use. So if you try to say, I'm not going through Ticketmaster, then Live Nation is saying, well, we won't have a concert at your venue. So the venue got to go through them and you got to buy tickets through them. Until then, them tickets next to me on the bench, my boy Brandon sits in. He's going to continue to uh, tax y'all on the games he can't come to. Man, <laughs> dude's taxing crazy. Steph, Steph, mama don't even make that much money off him. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yo, speaking taxing. of speaking of which, I just did a video. You know, congratulating the Warriors um, sales yeah. sales and marketing team. They got the team of the year. When I say uh, congrats to the team, they did a hell of a job. Like, we got a good crew. I will say that. Like, the crew yeah. on all ends. Like, one thing Joe does well is that he puts the right people in the right place to have the the greatest uh, upside in every department from the training staff to sales to marketing, like everybody. Yeah. Uh, but I always say <laughs> it ain't hard to sell them tickets with Steph Curry on your team. So yeah, congrats. You know, right. I, congrats to Steph too on being the um, selling out uh, ever since he's been with the team. And yeah. I threw that in there. I know it's going, I know it's going to cause a little stir, but they'd be all right. No, but, but, but bro, it's the truth. It's, it's, we spoke on this before. It's like the greatness, like dudes yeah. are that great. 
They even, and not even no disrespect to the sales team, even down to the sales team, they're probably breaking crazy record numbers, doing mm-hmm. all this crazy stuff. And it's like, it's all because of one dude. Like, right. and I'm not saying that to be like, yo, you're not doing anything. I'm just saying like the amazement of it. We, mm-hmm. had, we had Joe Lake up here and he's talking about taking out a billion dollars, however much to build the Chase Center in San Fran. Like, you know, that yeah. costs some money. Like, you're not doing that without a reason or knowing for sure you're going to get it back or knowing people are going to buy. Right. And, 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 and the buy-in for some of those suites are pretty crazy. The, the, the demands was it like 20 year guarantees, all that. Like, and that's, yeah. it's definitely got three or four more years and people are like, okay, bet whatever it is, we'll take it. I'll buy them 20 years to get these three, four years oh, yeah. to watch my guy. Phone but, them but, but I'm crazy for saying buddy is, part of you know like the after effects when he's done he's still accumulating for that yeah. particular yeah. franchise and there's no there's no beef with none of us but it's just yeah. it's just how we feel yeah. um it's, it's it's interesting you say that too because when you go to the united center what's outside the united center the michael jordan statue people, people come to people come to concerts taking pictures with their statue yeah and yeah right I talked to, yeah you're absolutely right i mean when i talk to dame sometimes i'm like man that's crazy even just talking taking care of his body and stuff i'm like yo just, they'll do some sellouts and stuff but like you being messed up fucked up or whatever affects everything yeah and like i say even a trickle down effect from like something that like is that great everybody eats off it like yep even I'm eating off the Warriors, like way just off that through. And I mean, you know what I mean? I've never even played for them. You right. Yeah. True story. And that's, True story. and that snaps to them. So, mm-hmm. and then speaking of ticket prices, uh, Rihanna is performing at the halftime of Super Bowl, be held in Phoenix, Phoenix this year. How do you think that performance will be? Because we only got a, we got about a month, right? We got about a month. And it's usually other people involved. Um, can Rihanna hold her own? I definitely think Rihanna can hold her own. I don't think, even though we have a month or two, you know, the person that put it together, Jay-Z and them, like the yeah. game plans, the focus and everything, I think Rihanna probably known about this for a couple years. True. True. Uh, name five great Rihanna songs. All right, cool. Say, What's my name? Uh, Cold Case Love. Uh, let's see what else. Uh I would have to say, uh, damn, Cold Case Love, Rude Boy. Oh, Rude Boy. A Rude Boy is good. Yeah. Fuck, right, let's see. That's what I'm trying to tell you. All right, all right. No, 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 no. I'm about to, I'm about, like, let me go right on. Uh, What's it? Virgin Mary. I don't even know these songs. But. Numb. Skin. Skin uh, Cold. Skin Cold. Skin Cold, yeah. I yeah. don't know the name. I don't know the names of the song, on the songs. But no, when right. I when I listen to her album, I'm like, yo, she is a whole vibe. Like, yeah, needed me. You uh, needed me is one of my favorite songs. The song with Travis Scott. One song, yeah. What's that one song? She, she's like singing, but don't be singing. She's like, uh, uh, it's like, damn. The song she got from Tempe Impala too. That one was crazy. I forgot that damn song. But man, Rihanna Cole, bro. So so she got enough. She got a burnt. What are you talking about? Okay. Same Work old mistakes as a song with same Tempe old Impala. mistakes. That's, that's what Tempe, I'm That's a Tempe Impala song. Is it? That sounds like yeah. the shit I make up. That's, the Tempe, that's, the yeah. Tempe Impala did that song first. You lived the original, and all Rihanna did was uh, hood trap the song out. Like she turned the hi hat up and uh, the bass, and it's still it was lit. It's Kinda a different how song. Drake, how Drake did take care. 
Oh, that was a song before? Yeah, Drake got sued for that. Like the dude at the end that's like making like with the deep, that's originally his song. Oh, I didn't know that. Huh. So like he he's the one singing the, the chorus. So he, he kind of sound wounded. That's I see why Drake ain't put him on there. But like he's the one that was singing Rihanna's hook. Gotcha. Oh, speaking of that, Lil Uzi Vert song, Cold, but he don't rap on it. That's that all shit. crazy. Yes. Man, niggas, man. Lil Uzi Vert, Cold. He got a vibe. But so listen, we're talking about this right now. So who would Rihanna bring out? Is Rihanna going to bring out Drake? I'm not going to lie. Drake shouldn't come out. No, not at all. Not at No. Why are you saying he shouldn't come out? Man, you disrespecting that her son's father like that? <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> He shouldn't come out due to the simple fact of the matter that she has a baby daddy. I'm like, bro, I can't do shit else for you. You hear me? Like, nothing. I don't give a fuck. If it was, if it, I don't give a damn what it is. I'm not coming out to do not one feature for you. Call that nigga. But never mind. She got hove in it. Yeah, nah, I think Rihanna gonna be all right, bro. Rihanna got hits, man. She do. She got a lot of hits. And then even on that Unapologetic album, Right, I think right. and the, the, the energy around her, people are just going to be happy to see her. I don't know. And I'm not going to say this. I, I don't. She metamorphed into like some type of Beyonce level out of nowhere. Well, no, that she I think she was always like creeping on her. They were but like, yo, Beyonce, but, Rihanna ain't Beyonce, but she got a crazy fan base. Like she got a she got a legit fan base, though, bro. You see what they did yeah. with her? They, they took her to the top with Fenty. Like she billionaire status. If they did a versus who you got. Come on, don't stop it. All right, then, not, my fault. Then, my yeah, fault. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Let me, let me let me do that. Okay. It ain't, it ain't too many people that can mess with Beyonce like of all time. Oh, who went in the versus versus Michael Jackson? Would it be who would you put in the versus with him? Prince? Put in my, a versus versus Michael Jackson. Damn. He's unfuckwittable. You have to Prince have to was go, nice though. You're gonna get mad, but you couldn't put Drake. I'm not mad at that. Because they have they have crossed, you know what I mean. The, but I think as a performer, like uh, Michael Jackson would destroy him because of the Ooh. performance aspect. The homie, like, the homie Ernest Wilkins said the answer is Stevie Wonder. I'm not I'm, mad at that. Yeah, I'm not mad I'm at not that. Mad at that. Especially if they perform live. That's a hell of a show. If they perform live, and I'm talking about like natural. Remember, you saw Stevie Wonder on Saturday Night Live back in '85 when Eddie Murphy was hosting. Yeah, and they had him do this, like, you know, Eddie Murphy yeah. mimic him, but like Stevie Wonder sounded just like the album, bro. Like Bro, if if if, but what would Stevie Wonder's song be to like beat it or bad? Like, what would we come back superstitious. with? Superstitious. Oh yeah, yeah. Writing on the wall, like, you know what I mean? He Stevie got Wonder code. Sign, yeah. seal, deliver. Unknown. So okay, so that's a question. Who would Rihanna go against? Since we were speaking on Rihanna, somebody would have to have whoever it is. It would have to be like. Crazy sex appeal. I, it's too early, but if we gave her two more albums. I would love to see a Doja Cat go at Rihanna. Yo, yo. Her last album. Elite. Yes, man. That I got a man, but I don't want you. If my girl had those type of like lyrics, I would let her cheat on me. I'd be like, <laughs> okay, I understand. You right. You felt that way about buddy? Then go do your thing. Yo, Doja Cat. I had no idea. All I know is Doja Cat and... um. I was listening to Nas and he was like, we going ultra black. Uh, Michael, Michael Blackson black, uh, the opposite of Doja Cat. Cause Doja Cat had a little issue with chat rooms and being where she ain't got no business being unless she really a part of that life. But I didn't, I was confused on Doja Cat. So I didn't know. 
Nah, but Doja dope. Cat last album was incredible. I couldn't believe when I heard it. I'm like, why am I bopping to this? Yeah, bro. And she can rap, flow. Can rap, like, bro, yeah. Even like that song she did with uh Sweetie. Like, yeah. was it? My, like, my girlfriend, she a real, like she was yeah. really flowing on that shit, bro. Yeah. She's coach. She's talented. Point forward. Now we're going to jump into our conversation. Today we are joined by one of my newest teammates, a guy who has, was pretty much born and molded to hoop. He was a part of a, a lot of history in college, and it's opened a lot of eyes with his play this year. Ty Jerome. So today we are here with a the first of many special edition. We're going to give you some cream with your coffee. You'll understand why, but you are the inaugural cream. But you're like a hazelnut, like you're not a regular plain <laughs> Jane cream. He's like your flavored cream. Somewhat. Uh, beige, I mean, should but, say the least. Yeah, super duper beige, but still, he's he's a he's a version of cream. And we're talking about Ty Jerome, uh, New York legend, uh, NCAA champion, University of Virginia. My first question to you is, how did you get here on point four? How like all encompassing, like everything that happened in your life, how, like how did you get on point four in this couch, on this couch? So from when I was born to this podcast. I mean, just give me like a two minute, <laughs> two, not even a two minute, the one minute, 30 second, the 30 second answer to how you ended up on point four. Like, how do you think you ended up here? Like everything that happened to you, like makes and breaks. And now you're sitting here right now. For sure. I think, uh, I'll pick it up in high school because, you know, everything that happens before then is, it, it shapes you, but mm -hmm. it's kind of like, you know. So I think in high school, freshman year, I was a late bloomer. So freshman year, I was like 5'8". Started on JV. Um, halfway through the season, I moved up to varsity. And I just kept getting better and better and better. My senior year, I had double hip surgery. So I went oh, when I went into college, I was coming off of that. But... I did not want a red shirt my first year mm -hmm. because I hadn't played basketball in so long coming off the hip surgery. Mm -hmm. So I was just fighting that, didn't want a red shirt. So I was saying I was feeling great when my hips were killing me and we were in practice. At Virginia, you play a lot of defense too. <laughs> so like all practices were sl sliding our feet and it's just a different, like it's such a change from high school. Mm -hmm. So my first year I was getting used to that, trying to get through all that. Um, had a solid first year. We ended up being like the five seed in the tournament, um, which is a down year for Virginia. And then second year, we're number one overall seed, lost to the 16 seed, which I'm sure will come up later on this podcast at some point. <laughs> um, and then redeemed ourselves my our, my third year. And uh, we won a national championship. And then I left, entered the draft after my third year. I was picked by, I guess, technically Philly, but it was it was Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Traded to Phoenix on draft night. I was the 24th pick. Um, did one year there, part of the Chris Paul trade. To, so I went to OKC. He went to Phoenix and did two years in OKC. I did not know that. Go ahead. And I did two years in OKC. And then after my third year in the league, my second year in OKC, it just wasn't working. Like the stage they were in, the stage I'm in my career, like I had to be somewhere. I had to be in a winning culture, mm -hmm. somewhere somewhere trying to win, not rebuilding, not with 100 picks. So, yeah. you know, 
mutually we said, you know, best for both of us that I move on. Mm. So, but the day before, like, I was finally going to get waived. They traded me to Houston. So I had no idea, like, that was about to happen. Right. And I got traded to Houston. Um, but Houston was cool. Like, they, you know, waived me without an issue. And then I signed here. Now, ET, I, I got a question for you, ET. Yeah, what's up, bro? Just your thoughts on what he said. I, I don't know that I've seen a team and a player agree to, okay, you know, it's not working out. You know, uh, it's like a, a very amicable divorce. Like, yeah. you know, I separate raised, but it's all love. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You think that's the cream effect? Like, why do you think <laughs> it happened that way? I've never heard of that. No, I think you never heard of it, but um, I think there's unique situations and times, like with franchises, it's like, because I was with the Tank Sixers, and it's like, who wants to be here? Who wants to really... Right. Go up, climb this mountain. And to be completely honest with you, it's like you could legit walk away by bro, I'm straight, but you might not have a home. So right. I kind of want to know the confidence of you being like, hey, bro, like, fuck what y'all talking about. Like, I see like this isn't working for me or developing as a player. I want to ball. You just bounced around from all these teams and went to a dynasty. You know what I'm saying? And, and I want to sure. I want to learn about what made you that confident to it might not seem much to you, but you just left right. tank to tank to tank to being like, bro, I'm a winner, bro. I don't mm. know what else is going on. All right, cool. Golden State Warriors, let's rock. And you're doing your thing. Like, sure. is that the I, upbringing coming from New York City or is it like, where'd you get that toughness from? Because that's not normal. I think it was a few things, to be honest. I think one, like, if OKC was to say to me, like, I don't want to get it twisted. Like, I, it wasn't like they said to me, like, you're a part of our future. And I was like, no, I'm leaving. You know what I mean? Like it was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Like right. it was mutual. Yeah. Like they weren't like, we yeah. want you to be part of our right. future. Right. But so it, yeah. it wasn't like I said I'm out. Like no, they no. were like, listen, you know, we got to yeah. we got to develop all these all these these rookies and second year players. Yep. And I'm like, all right, bro. Well then, yeah. what does that look like for me? And mm -hmm. then at the end of the day, I have been a winner all my life. Like that's part of my yeah. game. That is. I think the best part of my game, like just being a winning player. Mm -hmm. Like it's not like, like, yeah, I can yeah. shoot, I can pass, but I'm not a shooter. Like I'm a winner. And I think when Golden State called, it was just like, wait, I can learn from those dudes and try to impact winning and be ready with my numbers called. And I just had such a different mindset from my rookie year. Like my rookie year, I was in Phoenix and that was the first year of like James Jones being the GM mm -hmm. and Monty, that was Monty's yeah. first year there. And I was in and out of the lineup because I, I was hurt a lot, you know, whatever. But I wasn't ready mentally of like what the NBA takes. Like, you know, like, you know what I mean? Right. Like the NBA, like, especially as a young dude, you got to be ready. All right, you might not play three games, might not play four games. Then you might play 15 minutes one night. In my rookie year, I wasn't ready for that mentally. Right. And I knew I was ready for that this year. Mm. So that's why yeah. for me it was like, and going State said like, all right, listen, Steph's not going to play 82. So from there, Clay, Clay might not play back-to-backs. Mm -hmm. So from there, I was like, all right, I can get in here. I can get in there, yeah. build on it from there. And I was going to be a part of winning culture. So it was just like a no-brainer for me. No, that's that's beautiful. Go ahead, E.T. I don't know. I'm just saying that the mindset right there is crazy enough. So, I mean, that winning mentality, like you always had a bounce-back mentality and everything like that. And earlier you said that we were going to bring up the number 16, you know, losing number 16 seed and everything. You know, we always say it's not where you are, it's where your mind is. Like, saying you're a winner and everything, 
losing to having one of the biggest upsets in, you know, NCAA March Madness history. How did you bounce back in that sense, in that essence to, you know, keep the train rolling? It it took a while, bro. Like <laughs> that first, that first, first two weeks, like we got the first ones to lose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they, you were getting DeAndre Hunter told me you were getting death threats and y'all were getting death threats and everything. Bro, we got back to the hotel. It was a cop yeah. outside every door. Oh wow. Like we had to come back on the back entrance, cop outside every door. It had like a cop had to walk me from my room to my family's room. Um, like it, it was it it was scary. Um Damn. And we kind of knew the death threats were probably just, you know, someone mad they they lost their bet or whatever. Right. Like we weren't I wasn't actually scared for my life at any point. But it was like it was rock bottom for sure. Like it was embarrassing. Like it was that's as embarrassing as it gets. Because there's been two fifteen, there's been three fourteen. Yeah. There's always a five twelve every year. But to yeah. be the first one seed ever. Yep. And it's the backstory about Virginia and Coach Bennett is that we're frauds in the tournament. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. every year, oh, they can't go over the hump. They're a bunch of frauds. Yeah. So all these articles coming out, like they you know, regular season, they're no talent. Mm-hmm. And so you're just reading all that all summer. Mm. And I guess it does one of two things to you. It makes you like, all right, like work way harder, or you, you know, shut down. But Virginia is one of the top academic schools in the country, right? For sure, public schools for sure. Right? And you did it. You got uh three years, right? Yeah. Do you have your degree? Are you planning on getting your degree? Being that you are a flavored cream. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I'm planning on getting my degree. Mom, if you're watching this, for sure. Um, I told her I would get it. So that's probably the biggest reason. At Mama, this point. I lied. Mom, <laughs> that's probably the biggest yeah, reason I would get it Shit. at this point in my life. Because when, bas- when I'm done with basketball, I don't know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I want to do yet. But I don't feel like you need your degree for a lot of stuff anymore. Talk to him. Um, depending on, like, I, I don't, I'm not going to be a lawyer. I'm not going to be a doctor right. at this point. So... I don't think you need your degree. Like, I think it's more about the connections you're making while you're playing, the all that stuff. And I don't think that the degree really matters. But me and my mom will continue to talk about we, it. We had a, we had a, we've had, we've been having in a very, I don't even know the word I want to describe it as, but a very hostile conversation for weeks on end. And you know, uh, Et and myself, we have a group chat about thirteen guys and. The subject is, should you have your degree or not? And one guy that has seven degrees is adamant about you need your degree. <laughs> and we have a few other guys who are in, you know, very different type of uh, job sectors. You know, we're professional athletes. And another guy's in the art industry. Um, and another guy's in the fitness industry. And we're trying to figure out, like, college would have gotten our way of getting to where we got to go. Like, I did two years of college. And, you know, I had a bunch of people telling me go back to school for one year and it really wouldn't have helped me. And I was a lottery pick. So why would I go back to school? The only people that would have benefited are those who wanted me to come back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's been something that we continue to discuss is does it actually benefit you to have a a degree? Because now we're seeing that even with a degree, you're just securing a lot of debt and then you're getting what, 50, 60,000 a year. And then how long does it take to pay it back? Then the interest on the on the loan, you you barely getting the interest off. So you're gonna be stuck with that debt for forever. But um, speaking of, you know, what you wanna do outside of basketball, your father is a pretty big deal in New York. He's gonna be really happy you said that. So 
No, but, but you're you're so you you know this is what I like about guys like you and Moses Moody. Like you have this humbleness to you, and like you've had some big games for this for us this year. Like I don't think you understand. Like you had some big moments and some big mm -hmm. games. But like you said, you're a winner, so it's it's just how you move. Like all right, I did my job tonight. Right. And and so off the court, you're similar. You know, uh, you're you're um. You're a sniper though with the jokes, cause you got some jokes. <laughs> yeah, you're and oh, speaking of sniper, we need to know this BB gun story too, right, ET? Uh, yeah, yeah. Dion, yeah. I, I asked him. I said, "What, what do I need to know?" Yeah. He said, but, "Ask him about his BB gun." Back. I okay, hope, so, so before I, I hope get you to were going down to Baltimore, <laughs> no. fronting your move and shit. Yeah, so I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a divert. What's no up? With, what's this BB gun thing we've been hearing about? No way, damn. <laughs> I'm up to see Dre too today because we, we play Atlanta tomorrow. So I'm a damn. I didn't know who we were playing tomorrow. Yeah. Um. So it's our first year at UVA. We're in the dorms, and I don't know. We were bored. Dre, I don't know if he knew he was registering yet or not at the time. But hey, we were bored in the dorms, like looking for something to do. We weren't really going out. Season was starting, so you know we're chilling, and we go to Target or. Some store like that, right? Mm -hmm. And we we pick up BB guns, <laughs> <laughs> and we get back to the dorm, and I walk in the dorm like waving the BB gun, mm -hmm. like in the dorm, and nobody like everybody's laughing, like nobody thinks nothing of it, like, and we go back in the room, and all of a sudden, probably like an hour later, like cop a cop banging on our door, banging on our door, and he's like. I heard someone was waving a gun in the dorm. And, you know, we're sitting there like, right, this cop knows nobody was waving a gun in the dorm. Right. And if he did, I really hope he would have came a lot quicker than <laughs> <laughs> Right, an hour. Right. <laughs> and so that's, a, I mean, I left some parts out, but he just confiscated the BB gun. Dre had his gun sitting like right on the, you know, we walk, we walk into our dorm room is, you know, my bed's over here, his bed's over here. Right. And his BB gun is sitting right on, on top of his, right behind his bed. And the cop's looking around and Dre's aside, like, and do I give him mine or do I just keep mine? Do I hide mine? And I, I think he ended up giving his BB gun too. And that was really it. The cops came, took our BB guns. But then, you know, it gets written up or whatever. Cause uh, cops came to the dorm room. Right. Like our RA at the time makes it a big deal. And cause that's what RAs do. Right. And in my head, I'm deciding, like, all right, do I, tell coach Bennett or do I let him find out from someone else? Mm -hmm. And I decided to tell him myself, mm. right? Smart move. And so I go in the office, I talk to him and, you know, he doesn't take it so well. Right. You know? So the next few days in practice, like he's killing me, he's killing me, but they're, the RA ends up telling me like, All right, I'm not going to tell coach Bennett. So, so then Dre's like, oh, you snitched on yourself. And now it's <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. That's wild. Yeah. Nah, it was, it was a, and what was really, what made it that much worse is like the climate of what was going on in our country with guns at the time. Oh yeah. It's still like, it was going on in the country with guns and, and cops and all that. Like it, it was extremely not thoughtful of me mm -hmm. to, to bring that BB gun in that dorm room. But you know, looking back on it now, I can laugh. At you it can laugh at it. So, so so going back to 
you know, we were talking about your lineage, like, you know, kind of where you, where your brain has been and how you've been molded. And, and we have a lot of different folks on the pod from all different walks of life, you know, point forward is, you know, not the sports podcast, but you know, it's tech, it's, you know, uh, art, it's culture, all encompassing and just kind of like our backgrounds and what makes us who we are. Like we've had superstar athletes, Dwayne Wade, and then we have guys who have, you know, had a different path or different type of uh, stardom as an NBA player. And so you've spoken about, you know, 24th pick, you know, uh, traded on draft night, didn't work out with another team, got traded to another team, got waived, now you're with the Warriors. And just kind of talk to me about, you're still one of the 450 NBA players. Like, you're still different than the rest of the world. It's 8 billion people now, or, and, and you're still doing something that only point zero 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 one percent are doing. You know, talk to me about your background and the legend of your father and kind of how that has affected you positively and negatively and, and made you who you are. Before I do that, let me just give a quick shout out to my mom. So, you know, I throw, I throw my, my mom like Just from a, from a basketball yeah. standpoint, <laughs> I'm going to get to moms. I know no, moms sure, played a big sure, part. For sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. But um, I think my dad coached me. So as soon as I was born, he was coaching high school. Mm -hmm. So I was around the game. I was at, you know, his game. There's pictures of me, like, as, you know, one or two years old, like, dribbling two basketballs at his game, stuff like that. So, you know, I was just born kind of into that. My mom played uh, Brandeis. And my dad started oh, at Lafayette, transferred to Oh, your mom was a hooper? Yeah. You never yeah, told yeah. me that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. so, okay. Okay. Um, so they both had a, you know, they both had a, a part in it. Um, but my dad was, he coached me. He taught me the game, like, so... But the way he coached me, it kind of made our relationship strictly basketball. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. tough, especially me as a young kid. Looking back on it now, um, I'm thankful for it because right. I don't think mentally I'm as tough as I am without it. Yep. But when I'm a young kid, I'm not able to remove myself from the situation. You know what I mean? So it was like, you know, my dad was my coach and that was pretty much it. Like, you know. He put hands on me, like it, games would get ugly. Right. You know what I mean? I would go home to my mom. And yep. they, they split when I was six years old, mm -hmm. which at the time, like, was probably good for me because after the games, I did not want to see my dad. Right. You know what I mean? But like I said, looking back on it, it's like, all right, that's, like, you probably, you asked me earlier, ET, about, you know, the confidence and like, all right, I'm going to bet on myself and come to Golden State. Like, it probably starts when I'm a young kid of, of my dad, just, you know, he's, I'm six years old and, playing New York City, he's putting hands on me. You know yep. what I mean? So like you either go one or two ways from that. You either get super tough yep. or you just break down. Yep. And, you know. So how do moms play a role in you being who you are as a basketball player, not as a person, but as because I, I didn't know she hooped. So mm -hmm. how was that dynamic with moms knowing the game and moms giving you feedback? What type of feedback was she giving you? Well, first she was the craziest parent. Like family dynamic insane. Like dad was a crazy coach, like insane coach. And mom used to be in the crowd, like, you know, white lady in the crowd, probably two white ladies in the whole crowd. She's going crazy, like yelling at the refs, getting in fights with fans. Yeah. And I'm just looking like mom, you gotta relax, because <laughs> I'm seven. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I, like nobody's ready to fight. Like my mom, my mom's going crazy in the stands. But it was just like, 
you know, dad was a crazy hard coach and mom knowing the game and being a supportive parent made it a lot easier for me because it wasn't just mom. You know, a lot of moms are supportive, but a lot of moms aren't able to talk about basketball with you as well. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And that was that that dynamic was really helpful. So I know you bring up your mom a lot. Is that your day to day motivation besides being a winner? Like, oh, for sure. The bond that you have, what she showed you, you have a lot of love for her. But, you know, the, the same thing that your dad taught you, clearly, you know, your mom is, is, is a mom you elevate as well, right? For sure. My mom, my brother, my dad. It's it's a, like when, you know, you guys know how it goes. Like when people mm -hmm. invest so much into you from when you're young, you your motivation every day is definitely, you know, mm -hmm. help repay it. So in any way you can. Now, I like I like the part of your upbringing because obviously I think, you know, I think with you, they discuss the eye test in regards to, phys you know, your physicality, your physical gifts, your appearance and everything. So it seems like everything's been unwavering because, you, like you said, your dad has always been aggressive with you. You hooped in, you know, NYC playgrounds and everything. And it's like, I'm leaving from here. Hooping elsewhere is literally nothing to me, right? That's how you somewhat feel all the time, like people are going to underestimate and I'm going to show them differently. Yeah, for sure. I think, and, and it, it's New York city definitely helped, but Virginia also helped a lot too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I went through a lot of Virginia, like yeah. first year, everyone. And when you're, you know, when you're a freshman in college or first year, we call it UVA, like you're not, you're not built the same as you are three years into the league mm -hmm. mentally. Yeah. Like that's my first time dealing with national fit, like national media. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. when I was still be on Twitter reading stuff like, damn, Ty Jones not good enough to play this level. And as a 19 year old kid, I'm, I'm reading it. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? And you don't see that in any other profession. Yeah. You no, don't no, see that in college. Yeah, so no engineers, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> like no other, like uh, Wall Street people. Like, you know, don't just see like any doctors. Yeah. They you don't, don't say, say doctors, like, yo, yeah, you, you can't do that. Yeah, the doctor, like, yo, this doctor just got a C. Like, no, I don't want my doctor getting a C. I right. want my doctor getting an A, okay? That's how bacteria got right. into my colon. Like, Bars. So, you know <laughs> no, for sure. And I think, um, so just going through that for three years at Virginia and learning how to tune the media out, learning how to play through all that, bouncing back from that, you know, historic loss. Mm. Coach Bennett is extremely helpful with that stuff, too. Mm. Like, mm. my sophomore year, he, I'll never forget. He told us basically he sat us down, and it's such a it sounds such, like such a simple thing, but he just told us because we were rolling, like we were number one in the country, and we were started the year unranked, so we were just having mm. a, a great mm. year. And he basically told us like, stay humble. Mm -hmm. And he told us he sat us down after a practice, and it wasn't we didn't have a bad practice. It wasn't any reason for it, but he just sat us down and we're like, do not get caught up in like when you're walking around grounds and everyone's coming up to you and you're they're asking for autographs like do do not get caught up in that right because those are the same people that you know when you're losing and not doing well they're going to be killing you yep and so him sitting us down i'll never forget that day after when everything was going great was just a, a good reminder mm -hmm. and especially for like a bunch of college dudes because virginia mm -hmm. is a great fan base and yeah. they do show a lot of love and the students show a lot of love on campus yep and just him reminding us, like, all right, don't get caught up on that. And sure enough, we had a historic loss, and there was no more love. Yeah, you know. What I mean? <laughs> yep. So, yeah. Well, I, I want to jump to you know, it's kind of this, it's this reverse. I don't know what word. I'm gonna figure out the right word to use for it. It's it's the reverse of the minority, 
So it's like a it's the reverse minority. And, you know, your father is biracial, half black, half white, and your mom is white. And so, you know, E.T. was talking about the look test, you know, and we always talk about it. I see you in the gym working on your foot speed. You know, you got to work on your body because, you know, I always joke fast twitch. You can't teach fast twitch, which is natural in African-Americans because they had us building the country for free for 500 years. But that's another story. And we had to run fast to get away. But, you know, I, you know, I always it's, right. it's serious, but I turn it into a joke because right. as African-Americans, like we have to make laughter out of our situation. But it's kind of reversed now that you're we're always a minority. But now you're the minority in the NBA. And, you know. We always have that conversation of how is it different for a white player in the NBA being the minority? And, you know, how is your life as a professional basketball player different than ours? And so. Just, you know, does it change your mentality? Do you think about it at all? When you hear stories about other black athletes and some of the issues they have, whether on the court or off the court, do you reflect on how that's different or the same for you? Or just kind of that, the whole race of it all being an NBA? I think the, I think the, the biggest thing I think about with that is that most people don't know that I'm mixed. Most people don't know that I have, you know, black in me at all. So mm -hmm. people just assume I'm fully white, you know. I didn't assume you were fully white. You didn't. I, you did. thought I, was, you I thought, thought was, you was Mexican. Was, <laughs> <laughs> because you had, yeah, he had that Euro native, shit in his game. Nah, distant Native American at best. But, it's ET. <laughs> but he, had, Mexican, he had one practice no. where he hit like no, seven he got shit to him, yeah. You had one practice where you were killing. Yeah, I remember. I remember I'm like, you, I remember yo, what you said. this dude don't move like a white dude. He is. He plays like a Euro type of player. Like he got some swag to him. He had a savviness to him. Yeah. Like most white guys, just you know, they want trick ponies. You know what I mean? And he just has so much to him. I'm like, there's no way he's just white. Yeah, but and I came out. I was right. Yeah, but he grew up in New York though. So I True. mean, even when you remember Chris Mullen back in the day with even his handle, Chris Mullen yeah. didn't dribble like. He had some sauce and swagger to him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, Tone, he just told us earlier he repped the city. He don't be rapping that new Rochelle shit. <laughs> so, 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 so stop getting him fucked up, okay? <laughs> no, but but can you tell, can you sense in the game or just your, some of the environments you're in around other NBA players that they may underestimate you because of your race? Oh, for sure. I think, I think it's, it honestly, works out in my favor sometimes mm -hmm. and sometimes it hurts me like for example if i get beat on defense it's 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 a big deal aha uh -huh. if and and i don't think that's a it, it may be like oh it's he's white but it may also be like he just the unathletic part right because yeah, like, i think it's so a, you yeah, end up being stereotyped right yeah. i think it's it might be both it might be like oh white and, and, and unathletic because mm -hmm. it just it all goes together you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah. um so if like if I get beat on defense one time, even if I make nine good plays, the one time I get beat on defense, oh he can't defend. Right. You right. know what I mean? And coming into the league, that was the whole thing. Like, yeah. is he athletic enough to guard guys? Um and I think that's where it may hurt me, but it, it may help me because it's like, all right, half the time I check in the game and the worst defender may guard me. You know what I mean? And it's like yeah. All right, you got cool. yeah, you got a lot of shit to your game too yes, for the worst do. defender to, to be playing around with you for real. <laughs> no, straight, think, straight yeah. up. No, and I think it's you know the more good games I, I have, I think I'll get them more and more on scouting reports. But not being on scouting reports is fun. 
like loose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just under your handoffs and not yeah. pressure on the ball. Yep. Like yeah. it's, e- it's easier. It's easy to play. I think that's where it benefits you. But you know, it what, goes both ways. What about the benefit of iron sharpening iron? Like obviously at uh at Virginia, you played with two uh two NBA players and DeAndre Hunter and Kyle Guy, but now you're going to a place where it's like guard central like not only do you have to perform but you got to add some shit with your your performance you see steph curry does the craziest shit jordan Poole, his highlights are crazy every day like now you have to make sure you know that standard's coming with you know you're flirting with 90 50 40 but you really have to shoot at that level and play at that level to to really you know be part of it for sure i think the first one of the first things I realized is like don't try to recreate what Steph does. Like <laughs> don't, don't even waste my time trying it. Like appreciate it. And there's like little stuff you can add to your game. Mm-hmm. Like I watched him yeah. work out the other day and the speed he goes at is crazy in his workouts. People don't know that. No, like that's insane. Yeah. yeah. Like he cuts like he's in a game. Bingo. Like he'll cut from the right wing and he'll finish a cut and like end up on the left corner and shoot a shot. And then in the game, he runs around like that. And I'm like, oh, no, that dude is like, does it in a practice gym by himself. Yep. Like it's So I watched that part and it's like, all right, when you want to implement something, you got to go game speed. But I'm not going to shoot look away threes and <laughs> I'm not going to throw behind the back passes from the top of the key to the left wing. You know what I mean? Right. Like he plays yeah. with a freedom that's like I can't replicate. But to your point, mm-hmm. it is iron sharpens iron because the expectation of myself now has to raise and and if i play well and we lose i feel like i feel like shit you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but right in oklahoma city i play well and we lose and i'm chilling you know and that's part (laughs) of the reason that's part of like that's part of the our early career too for real yeah and that's part of the reason why i wanted to get out of there and come here so bad because you gotta win here and Mm -hmm. it makes the game more fun and i think all all that pressure is just it it's beneficial for for my game yeah, and, and also, too, I mean, as you can see, even just the game you had on Christmas and everything, like, being here for, like, a month and a half has done far more than, like, the past three or four years where you bounced around and you've had some great games and some great moments. But, you know, you, you comprehend the, the level of different stages. For sure, for sure. And I haven't been on this type of stage since college, which is obviously not the same as this, you know. Yeah, so bask in it. <laughs> True. So I guess, you know, we always ask this question, you know, kind of towards the latter parts of our conversations is, you know, how has the success, you know, affected you from negatively? You know, like a lot of suffering from your success is what we always talk about. You know, just friends and family more than anything. You know, you meet new family members, you know, you grow and you become smarter and you see different things and other friends just don't grow with you kind of as examples. And so, you know, we're saying all that has, has it affected you? And I guess, what is your definition of success as well? Right. I think the first part of that is I'm very fortunate. Like I, in my opinion, like the, the support system I have around you, have around me, like my Mm -hmm. parents, my girlfriend, my brother, my close friends, like none of them have changed. None Mm -hmm. of them have asked me for anything. I almost have to remind my parents, like, here like right you know what i mean um you know my dad may get a little carried away like <laughs> <laughs> but it's never like he's not you know asking me to buy him this buy him that right he, it, it, it everything my family does stems from love right you know what i mean i mm-hmm. think i'm very That's fortunate i haven't met a ton of new family members i haven't and I also learned how to say no pretty quickly and mm-hmm. that's something my dad told me pretty quickly mm-hmm. you know what i mean like mm-hmm. learn how to say no pretty quickly um and i think you know Another thing is 
to your second question about my definition of success mm-hmm. is that it constantly it's constantly changing right yeah. so like when i was in high school my definition of success would probably just be, be being here right you know what i mean and then as soon as you get here and you, a few things get i bounced around a little bit and it's like oh shit like i'm so far from where i want to be in this league right and then it, it just changes yeah. i think i'm glad i was able to have that wake-up call mm-hmm. and be like look like this is not I mean, if, if if you relax like is going to be the end yep you know what i mean and i think so i think it's it's constantly changing so obviously we have a a, a, a segment in our show called guns and butter um it's not like the macroeconomic you know principle but it's basically from a movie that we watched baby boy um the part with vein reigns when he's talking to tyrese discussing you know the importance of uh micro decisions and how those fair in the long term so what were some micro decisions that you made early on that you know you got you to this point and you believe will get you even further just in daily life yeah for sure i I mean leaving a girl or whatever it was like one of those small decisions that you didn't know like man looking back that baby ass decision changed my life yeah like not red shirting maybe like who you know what i'm saying like fighting red shirt getting a you know what i'm saying Going to New Rochelle, running from New York, goons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> being scared of that subway, and um, you know, getting that, <laughs> getting picked up, and going to a safer neighborhood. <laughs> like what? What? What was it, bro? <laughs> oh man, um, I, I don't want to dodge the question, bro. But or or ask or having a great conversation with OKC. Like, yeah. I, I'm seriously like, I am so, I don't know. Like, I'm a loss of words. Like, I've never heard of that. I've never heard a guy tell a team, like, listen, you know, we're going to this is go our separate ways amicably. Like, you never hear that. Like, I've right. heard stories of teams bad-mouthing a guy because they didn't want to see him have success somewhere else right. because they couldn't get the most out of him. I've seen right. coaches do it. I've seen players bad-mouth teams and go about it the wrong way. Like, you never hear about it. Like, okay, y'all go this way, I go that way. Appreciate the time. You, you hear about it, but yeah. very, very rarely. Well, part of OKC was, like, that was the first platform I've got. I got in the NBA, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though we may have been losing and we may have been tanking. Like you know how it was in Philly, bro, or yeah. you guys both do, I guess. I, I read that book by the way, Built to Lose. Um, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was, your name was both of you, but um, that was the first platform I got. Like mm-hmm. I didn't really get a platform in Phoenix. Yeah. So I was still grateful for my time there. Like it may not have ended how I wanted it to, but I was still grateful. Like they gave me my second year in the NBA. 20 minutes a game right for like yeah. 40 games right and that bought me like another chance you know what i mean yeah. so i wasn't like it wasn't all bad like, no that's what, you know I, what mean. I mean like it's 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 not that's what i'm saying it's not bad at all that hey like let's just go a different rate i think that's a great thing like right. i i appreciate y'all what y'all did for me and i know y'all right. appreciate what what i did and then and then they kind of helped you go somewhere and you said okay cool let's you know, it's kind of like Bob Myers and I always talk about it. He was like, Andre, I'm so shocked at how you responded when we traded you. I'm like, bro, like I've been treated much worse, bro. Like right. this yeah. really ain't that big of a deal. Especially bro. in Philly, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. Like when so, you leave Philly, like everything is great. <laughs> Yo, but, they gonna kill us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I clearly don't care at all. Like clearly. <laughs> you read the book. They, nah, we, they we were trying to lose, did. except yeah. we didn't know it. <laughs> Yeah. What's the book crazy? The book I never read it, but what's the no, book crazy? Bro, the one of the funniest parts in the book is is, is there's a uh, a part in there where it talks about how Sam Hinkie did not come into practice ever, like he did ever. not speak to you guys ever. 
Ever. And, he walked uh, right past us. Yeah. Yeah. So he said, they said one day in practice, you saw him and you were like, hey, like, like, uh, like nice What's to up? meet you, bro. Like, yeah. We play for the 76ers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is your big man. He's been here for three years. He's from Temple. Hey, at one point, I was supposed to be the franchise. Everybody's trying to move me. This guy's backer, Drew Howdy. Yeah, you're fucked. You traded him for Nerlens Noel. Yeah. And, uh, that was wrong. I, like, I don't know how this works, but we're going to be, you're stuck with me if you don't know that yeah. now. Okay. Yeah, like, bro. legit. But that, that really happened. That was crazy. Yeah. No, that was in the book. That was in the book. I remember I'm reading on the plane. I forget where I'm flying to and I'm cracking up, bro. Cause yeah. it's just reading it and being in a on a tanking team gave me uh, so much more perspective. You yeah, know what I mean? but like, not only that, but you like you sitting here and like when you're tanking, you like, damn, gee, when I was a shorty, like I thought I was gonna have Mamba mentality. I thought I have seven championships, and literally, there's somebody sitting here like, yo, fuck, whatever part of your career, this is part. It really shows you the part of the NBA, and it's like, wait, this is really a business. This is yeah. Hinky doesn't care about anything else besides you know how, sure. rightfully so, how he's going to build the next level of the organization. But it's it's a tough game, and as I'm you learn. I'm also happy, I think fortunate that I went through that in year two mm. yeah. because it gave me a, a new perspective on the business like you talked about. And you start yeah. to realize early like it's a business. Like yeah. some people are in year five and they have no idea about the business of the NBA yet. They've been mm -hmm. on one team for four years or one team yeah. for five years and they don't understand it's a business, bro. Right. Like yeah. you know, the perspective you were able to have when you got traded from Golden State and now you, you came back here and won, won again. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. But like, some people can't put their and I feel like you're a prideful person. Yeah, but yeah. you understand. But there's you can be prideful, but you can also be smart. Right, and you can also know like, all right, it's still a business. And yeah. then going through that in year two gave me that perspective early. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and it also allows you to find your niche. You understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So like, when it goes back from it, it as long as you're open and aware, and it's like, okay, I guess I won't be a 25 point a night scorer right away. But I can find a niche where they're gonna allow me to get through the door, and it's like. And the NBA sometimes like this is this is your assigned role. This is what we're willing to yeah. pay you for, and that's yeah. it. Like you know, and yeah. um, I think when you're when you're vulnerable and aware enough, you're able to build and make a beautiful role. Like Andre, you're able to do and, and tie what you're currently able to do. It, and I also think that was a, one of the hardest things for me to realize in my second year and third year, because even now, when all right, you're you're playing a role, but everyone's role is to do everything they can to win this game. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's the most fun way to play basketball. Yes. Yeah. And in, when I was in Oklahoma City in year two, I had to remind myself, like, the most important thing is not winning this game. Yeah. And Which all my life, mindset. you know And that's saying? a pro. And that's being a pro. It's real. That's it's real. And, and it's like, if I was doing everything I can to win that game, no, no like, that wasn't the thing in Oklahoma City because they wanted to lose in year two when I was in year two. Yeah. Year three was a little different but year two the end of the year was like straight up they were hiding it we want to lose so my whole focus is like all right, i gotta be super efficient yep yeah. i gotta be super efficient and of course i still play winning basketball but i gotta be efficient i gotta pick my spots i gotta shoot the ball well i gotta throw the ball ahead i gotta be unselfish it's like all right like you said what's gonna be my role on the on the next team i go to almost yep and mm -hmm. it's like a sick it's a sick way to play basketball bro like no it <laughs> It, it definitely shows you when you break it down. It definitely shows you, I guess, how good a basketball player you are because you can adapt. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I guess this is what makes me a pro because I'm working at a high level and trying to get out 
trying to succeed, succeed in something that's outside of my comfort zone. Like you're used to having a ball for 45 minutes, playing a pick and roll at Virginia when it's coming down, you know, down to the cr- crunch time. You have two All-Americans, but you're handling it. Now right. it's just like, nah, dog, this little French kid. I don't care what you say, <laughs> but he's supposed to be dribbling. Right. You give him the ball and you spot up, you shoot and get it how you live. And yeah. But much respect to you. you. You found a niche and you open up more opportunities. And that's that's what top guys do. And that's what winners do. So appreciate it, bro. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if you keep doing all these successful things, you're going to have a change. Just like Evan. Hey, man, you never <laughs> know, oh. bro. Dude, dude never know. This, is, this is this is an interesting topic. I've had a couple conversations with some GMs, some of my favorite GMs, my good friends, Bob Myers. I'm going to shout him out, even though he keeps dodging me uh, on the pot. The chain thing. How many white how many white players do we see with chains? If any, do we see any? Look, bro, I believe Luca got a lot of chains. They just hide the hood part of them. <laughs> like that's what I believe. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like they're not gonna show that part. But to me, not even with white players, like their chains are different. It's like random. It's like golf clubs, Patagonia, like you know what I'm saying? Like random shit like that. Like, but but if the tie is from New York, he's seen it. Like, why don't why don't you have any jewelry? I got two tennis chains. I got oh, okay. Yeah, I got, bro. You I, see I, I, a shoe game, bro. He, he, this dude be getting drippy, bro. This man, I know. And he got so a like, black side to him. He got that JP swag. <laughs> yeah. I just more like. I mean, you see me now every day. I'm just always in sweatpants. Like mm-hmm. I, just, I just stopped putting effort into all, basically all the. But you have a, a natural uh, style to you. Oh yeah, his for style. Sure. Like for he sure. be having yeah. all that. The, even yeah. his sweats are like drippy. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, sure. throw sweat out, sweat suit or whatever you call it now, whatever they call it. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I can't. I feel like coming, like how you come to the game, it, it doesn't matter, bro. Like I can be in sweatpants, but I'm not just gonna roll out of bed and and come to the game, bro. Right? Like yeah, that's yeah, a little yeah, like yeah. you know what I mean. Like yeah. you're still. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's fine line. Dre wouldn't even wear team sweats when I met Dre. He refused to wear a team sweats, and so they'd be like, "Yo, wear team sweats on a plane." This and the other, Dre being purple label. I like, dripped up in like an eight thousand dollar fit. Like I'm Dang. not wearing that shit. <laughs> like that type now, thing. Dre was on that his rookie year. No, no, no. This is this. No, was no, like no. I'm talking seven. about this. Is when he it, was a rookie. It, when I was a rookie, oh, Iguodala. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah the original I like Dre. Dre Hunter, bro. Oh no, D like, Hunter. No, I, way. no yeah. I had to mold him. I had to raise him, bro. I didn't know what the fuck he was wearing, bro. I'm like, bro, what? <laughs> like, bro, these fat daddy ass jeans. What are you doing? He was like, huh? Now I'm talking about Iguodala. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I can see. I can see this Dre doing that for sure. Bro. Yeah, for sure. I'm not That's... wearing team sweats. I'm not wearing none of that. Now yeah. I wear some, I wear team sweats to practice. Yeah, no, nah, you yeah, you will. But I also feel like right now you're I really wish I could have seen you like five years ago. Because right now you're on such of like a I'm helping I'm helping everyone, but you also do not care what anybody has to say. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like like in a in a good way. Like you like you are living as freely as you want. Yeah, I got that old man syndrome. You know, where what I mean? I'm like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not PC anymore. Like my other job that I do, I have right. to be PC. I got to be right. on. The brain has to be activated. Like I'll think something and be like, stop thinking it. I don't even think the things right. that I say, right, in my other space, right. And it's just because like we've been talking about this, you know, this mental health yeah. space that you have to be in to be a proficient athlete, right? And no one talks about it, but your brain goes to so many deep, dark places. And I'm like, the NBA is taking me to some deep, dark places. And it's putting me into some difficult situations in life. But like you said with your father, 
I, you needed it to help you get to where you actually want to go, however you define your success. And so like, yeah, I appreciate it. I needed it, but it messed me up mentally. And now I'm just in a place like, listen, as long as I'm in NBA as a player, I'm saying what the hell I want. And and some of y'all going to get it. You might just catch the wrong raft on the wrong day and you're going to have to take it. That's just how I, this is how it is. You've been sure. warned. <laughs> <laughs> but fam, I appreciate you. It's been a dope conversation. Um, thank you. And, and thank you for the inaugural uh cream with coffee yeah and keep doing your <laughs> thing bro we rooting for you for real for, for sure real, appreciate man. that yeah, appreciate for real. That.